Yo, peace world. It's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devon. And this is the Q Chat. Keep it locked right here. joining an episode of the key chat today my special guest is dr aziza glass she's the star of the disney series disney xd series roman to the rescue she's a doctor of veterinary medicine and i just want to chat with her about her love of animals the show and also some additional information on caring for our pets and also how loving animals really is great for our mental health so how are you doing today i'm doing good uh I'm very grateful and um, and happy to be here talking with y'all. I'm happy to talk with you too. Of course, this is Women's History Month, so I feel very blessed to get a chance to talk to a woman of color who's a doctor of veterinary medicine. So can you tell me your start? I know I read a bit about you, and I know that you had a love of animals at a very young age. So what made you decide to go into medicine for animals? Like, I really haven't met any Black veterinarians before. Yeah, well, we're definitely walking unicorns, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of us. There's less than 2% of Black veterinarians in the whole profession. So that tells you something. It, it is literally rare to see one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like you said, I had a intense love for animals and I just liked learning about them. I liked learning the sciences and uh, that continued all the way to college. And I knew that I wanted to go to graduate school. And I thought that I was going to be Dr. Aziza because I was doing some type of animal behavior research. I was going to get a PhD and all that. But it wasn't, um, it really wasn't until I saw the different upperclassmen that were going through the process of planning for their graduations, their next step, and seeing some of them apply to vet school. Uh, that it started to be on my radar. And around the same time, I realized uh, that two of my professors who also happen to be Black women, um, Dr. Johnson, Dr. Sella, were veterinarians. Mm-hmm. And that whole time that I was calling them doctor, I didn't know, I thought that I assumed they had a PhD. So to my surprise, I had been working very closely with veterinarians that whole time. Uh, and so both of those, the the crazy thing is that both of those discoveries happened pretty close to each other. And that's when I realized, oh, I could be Dr. Aziza and be a veterinarian too. I'm still learning about animals. Um, it's definitely a more hands-on, inside out, you know, part of learning about animals, the anatomy, what makes them tick, how to fix them, how to treat them, all of that. And that's when it got on my radar. That's when I decided that this was something that I would be interested in. And I applied it was the application process doing all the the school uh, courses all the required courses getting all the intern hours all of that was difficult definitely Mm -hmm. was not a walk in the park 
Um, but I did it. And um, then I got to vet school. That's a great story. Now, as you said that you're like a walking unicorn, it's a very small group. Have you faced any challenges as a woman of color in this field? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, I went to HBCU for undergrad. I went to Prairie, the Prairie View A&M University, uh, home of Panther Fry. Uh, from there, I went to Cornell Vet School, which is an Ivy League institution. And so although there are definitely some similarities when it comes to like the rich culture and tradition um, and uh, like multi-generational uh, uh people like their grandfathers, their their parents, their sisters, their siblings, you know, go to those schools. And you see that a lot in different HBCUs. Um, you'll have that aspect of, with an Ivy League institution. Uh, but at the same time, it goes from being one of a, a crowd to now you are the sole representative. And they're can be some advantages with that, but there are also some disadvantages and things that are placed upon you that you never asked for. When you graduate and you are in the real working world, I mean, you are still learning how to practice veterinary medicine. And you're a lot of times you're not giving the same grace um, to learn, to follow the learning curve. Um, there's the pressure that you have to be perfect. Um, there are microaggressions. There mm. are people who won't respect you, um, don't believe the stuff that's coming out of your mouth. Um, there is uh, gaslighting. There's all of that. I mean, being a veterinarian itself is very, very difficult. It's a very challenging profession. It's not a walk in the park. Uh, mm. But to have the added layer of being a Black woman to that uh, kind of takes it up you know, not <laughs> or two or three, um, but having mentors in the space, which uh, who are also black veterinarians has really, really helped and having a good support system, um, ownership uh, has helped a lot. So once I uh, made the leap of faith to become a business owner and to be self-employed essentially um, also changed um, my relationship <laughs> with veterinary medicine because it did get to a point where I hated going to work it, because I was working in a toxic environment and now it's a lot better and yeah. my uh, business has grown and I am in the process of expanding and will be opening uh, and am opening a brick and mortar uh, clinic with another veterinarian mm-hmm. uh, in, in the next few months so hopefully the the permitting and all of that has slowed like everything has slowed down so much because of COVID. And so it's taking much, much longer than what we anticipated to be able to do a lot of stuff, but, uh, but it's coming. That's what's important. It's coming. (laughs) Now, speaking of, you are the owner of the personal touch veterinarian clinic. And I was reading that you do some interesting things. Like you also do acupuncture with animals You work with horses. So can you tell us some information just about your practice and what makes it a little different than average veterinarian clinics? Yeah. So, um, with, when it comes, I am a certified veterinary acupuncturist and I did my training from the lens of traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. Uh, I think that it was important for, I thought it was important for me to learn it 
from that perspective, because at the end of the day, this is a technique that has been honed, that has been cultivated and has been, is closely integrated with a culture. And that is uh, Chinese medicine. And I think that you missed out on a lot of different nuances and things like that and a chance to learn about a different culture when you basically try to strip it of uh, the uh, of all cultural references. And there are some people who choose to learn acupuncture, acupuncture like that, uh, but I don't. And because of that, I was able to learn about a lot of other types of alternative medicine therapies, including how to use um, Chinese herbal formulas, including how to use massage therapy or food therapy, like actually utilizing food, kind of like the way that a lot of people are thinking about food for the human bodies, uh, using food and healthy living, healthy lifestyle um, uh, to help the body repair itself and to just have a healthier um, uh, just, just a good overall health and the same can be applied to our pets. And that was something that I became very interested in really before I even got to vet school, both acupuncture part. And once I did the training, the actual training process, it kind of opened this new world to me. And I considered myself someone who does integrative medicine. So it's the East meets West. Uh, I tell folks all the time, Eastern medicine is not a cure-all. Um, if you're looking for somebody who's going to tell you that essential oils is going to cure your cancer, I'm not the one for you because I do not believe that. But I do think that when it's used appropriately, it can really enhance treatments. It can really improve our pet's uh, quality of life and make them as comfortable as possible for as long as possible. And sometimes where the Western medicine fails, the Eastern medicine can fill in the gap. And... Um, and yeah, that's that's why I like acupuncture so much. It's something different. It sets me apart from a lot of other uh, veterinarians. So you know that kind of marketability is good. <laughs> uh, and um, and it works. That's that's the main thing. It works. What what's one, what has been one of, like let's say one of the most difficult cases like I know like I'm sure you see a variety of things with animals but what has been one that was like a real challenge but you were able to solve it and help the pet? Yeah, so I had a patient that um, that was really really difficult. Um, I had a patient that had been, um, it was a Doberman mm -hmm. and he was very sickly. He had a lot of skin issues. He had a lot of um, um, uh, he had a lot of nerve issues and based off of how certain things looked and how he was previously assessed by some other neurologists and things like that he was diagnosed with a particular type of disease and so I was looking at the dog and I said well he doesn't he doesn't look like that type of dog to me but uh, with that particular disease but I'll treat him for that disease using acupuncture and he was just minimally improving and um, I kept saying you know what something's just not right about this and I referred the owner to a rehab um, place for dogs. 
to help them with uh, strengthening their muscles because I've noticed the dog was losing a lot of muscle mass. Mm -hmm. And that person kind of echoed what I was thinking and said, this dog uh, looks more like this type of neurologic disease. And as soon as he said it, I said, yeah, that's exactly what I was like in the back of my head thinking. And so I completely shifted how I was treating them with acupuncture. And between the rehab that helped to strengthen the muscles and the new treatment, the dog um, started walking better, was eating better. Um, unfortunately, it got into some like bad food, um, mm-hmm. ended up getting very sick. Um, and it was difficult to kind of get him back uh, to where he was before. We kind of had to start all over again. But mm-hmm. that was probably one of the more difficult um difficult cases because it was literally one of those things where the typical Western diagnosis was incorrect. And that was after all of the different testing and all that that aborted specialist does. And so they were doing everything that they were trained to do, but it was just that this particular case was nuanced enough, was different enough that it was outside, like, like if 90 percent of cases follow fall into this one category he was a part of that 10 percent and it was the other it was the other um types of treatments the rehab alternative medicine that was able to actually assess it correctly and then treat him and he improved and the and his um mom the dog mom was so grateful, so generous, and so appreciative that we basically gave her pet a renewed, um, renewed chapter in his life. Okay. Wow, that is beautiful. That is a great story. So leading into that, how you saved this animal, I definitely, of course, want to talk about the Disney Channel show, Roman to the Rescue. So first, how did you get involved with this show? I looked at it and I'm like, wow, that's really nice to see, especially <laughs> animals. I think animals are like, people don't consider pets sometimes. Not everyone is animal lovers. You know, I right. grew up in where like, I actually have had dogs, but like I have family members that they wouldn't want to even come to my house because of a shih tzu. And I'm like, seriously, like he's not going to kill you. <laughs> Poodle, like, are you serious? But that's how they just don't deal with pets. You know, so I think sometimes people just dismiss animals they don't realize like these pets need homes and pets as I was leading up to before we started recording can make a difference in people's mental health happiness so many things that it can do to benefit someone to actually own a pet so how did you get involved in this cute little show (laughs) so I mean it goes back a little bit Um, I've actually been in the I guess you can call the entertainment space now for about seven years. Uh, it all started when I was on a show called Vet School on Nat Geo Wild, and that came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. And that show was literally about showing people, showing the public what it takes to become a veterinarian. And the show follows first years and fourth years, which are the equivalent of freshmen and seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you see the freshmen learning about physical exams. You see them um, learning how to properly wash their hands for surgical prep. You're seeing them learn about horses versus cows versus dogs versus cats. And in the fourth years, which is where I was on the show, you see the seniors actually applying a lot of those different things that we learned over the course of the first, second, and third year 
uh, in clinics. So we're doing our rotations, we're following the residents, we're working on, we're assisting on real cases. And uh, all the way to the point on the season finale, you actually see all of us that's in the cast as fourth years cross the stage and get our diploma and graduate and become doctors of veterinary medicine. So, and the experience was very, was a very positive experience. I learned that I had a, a talent and a skill set to be able to translate ed- education, science, uh, animal knowledge across the camera lens. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how rare that was and that it didn't feel like work to me. I really enjoyed it. So I stayed in that space for a while and constantly putting out content or producing my own content um, in the entertainment space, whether it was in Houston or doing podcasts here and here and all of that. And so it was really one of those things of preparation meeting opportunity. I eventually got contacted by somebody from production saying, we're looking for somebody in the animal field that has this criteria and you fit the bill. It's very difficult to find somebody and we know because we've been looking. And mm-hmm. because I'm self-employed, because I have all these other things and I have a certain support system, I was able to move some things around and relocate for two and a half months mm-hmm. uh, to film the show. And it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful working with Roman, meeting mm-hmm. his family, meeting all the dogs. My son, who was one and a half at the time, was able to be on set with me. And um, and that was also, I mean, that was, that was invaluable to be able to have him on set and be a working mom, um, mm-hmm. in that sense, um, know that he's well taken care of by his sisters, um, and things like that. So it was, it was wonderful. And I'm very appreciative of being able to be on, on a platform like Hulu, like Disney XD, um, have Nomadica Films and the Dodo um, invest in me um, to, and trust me to be able to play an important role on the show. Um, and look how I do, uh, give me the creative license to uh, wear my head wraps and all the other stuff. <laughs> and um, and as, at the same time, also value my input when it comes to um the message, um, the information um, about the different dogs, about pet safety, about pet health, and all those different things, really playing an active role in the in the creative process on a on a day to day basis. Uh, so it was it was a great learning experience, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I hope we get a season two. Oh yeah, it's like I said, it's a very cute show. What has been like one of your most favorite moments? I know, obviously, just being able to represent on this show of course is hugely gratifying but as far as like the stories and cases you guys have done what have been one of the most standout moments on how you guys have felt oh, um I, I would say that the ones that stand out the most are the there's some dogs and I can't say too much because only seven episodes have aired Mm -hmm. and there's 17 in total so I don't want to give anything away but there are some dogs that have some disabilities Mm -hmm. and you see one of them like for instance with Asher um, he's a three-legged dog and it's really 
it's it's cool to be able to talk about how these dogs are survivor, survivors and fighters and they can have uh, just as good of a quality of life. Yes, they have some limitations. You have to be mindful of certain things. But other than that, they deserve a loving home. They deserve a forever home. And also seeing the kids that recognize that, see the dog who is imperfect, right? And still love them regardless and take care of them and just making sure that they're having fun with them, um, making the commitment to love them uh, every day once they sign their adoption papers. So those, those are the best moments to me. Not my own, you know, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter why I feel. And so for me, I always knew that there was something more inside of me or I felt disconnected and I was always trying to find my way back to myself. Moments to me. So speaking of that, that's one thing I did want to ask you as well, because sometimes kids, they want a dog, right? Typically, hey, I'm dad, give me a dog. But what are some things that you advise? Because sometimes people don't realize the amount of care it takes to be a pet owner, having a dog having a child in my opinion so what are just some things you want to tell someone who they are considering getting a dog but they've never owned a dog before some things that they may not have considered um well like you said having a dog can be like having a child because you got to feed them you got to take them out to poop pee uh <laughs> you have to make sure that they have other vaccines you know they're yeah like and there's a lot of that goes into it so yeah you're absolutely correct I would say that Parents who um, are considering it, um, be realistic and also be realistic about the type of dog that you're going to get. Um, There are certain people who get so fixated on a breed that they don't do the appropriate research on what does it actually take to have that breed? I mean, if you have a dog, like for instance, um, I say this all the time, like English bulldogs come a lot of times have skin issues. A lot Mm -hmm. of times they have, they can have breathing issues. They have other things that are just inherently present with that breed. And to be shocked afterwards that you have to pay for the veterinary care in order to treat those things that they typically come with. I mean, it just means that you weren't prepared. So um, there's that side of it. And then there's also the side of do y'all really have the time? Um, are you going to be able to spend time with the dog? And if the answer is we are so busy, we're barely in the house, is the dog going to be happy without a family in the house by himself? You know, um, but at the same time, having a dog can be extremely rewarding. It can treat, uh, teach your children responsibility, uh, caring for others, empathy, there are a lot of things, a lot of benefits um, with having dogs, especially if you are invested in taking your dogs and stuff like that. You're the one taking them on walks. So actually, you're because you have a dog, you're unconsciously increasing your own size, which is contributing to your own cardiovascular health. Having dogs look at you, uh, looking up at you, loving on you and all that, it can bring you a, a sense of calm and peace. Um, it can cause to relieve anxiety uh, for each other, for the dog as well as you. So there's a lot of different uh, uh, benefits to having one. And it really is just 
seeing if your child is ready, if your family is ready, or if you are ready to take on that responsibility, because dogs aren't something that you can just um, adopt and forget. You know, it's, it's a living being that you need to take care of at more than adequately and not put the bare minimum. Right. It is a huge responsibility for sure. And you're right. I think sometimes people don't research. They just see a dog, think it's cute and they want it, but they don't know. Like you said, different breeds make a difference too. And I just think that sometimes, you know, people don't consider that before getting a dog. So I want to talk about something else as we discuss, you know, like you are doing something great. Not only are you in veterinary medicine, but you're representing, you know, you're showing that there are different fields of medicine that some people may not have considered. So I know that there is an initiative called the hashtag doctor to doctor. So can you tell me some information about that? Yeah, so the doctor to doctor initiative is something that I wanted to use to start to help establish the communication, make a network between young professionals, uh, especially those that have recently graduated or are in the process of obtaining their um, their doctorate degree in the different healthcare professions, whether it's pharmacology, uh, or whether it's uh, in uh, a pharmacy uh, doctorate or Dr. Veterinary Medicine or medical uh, MD, a physician, um, and pairing them with somebody who is older, seasoned in the field, who can almost act like a mentor to them. Um, and the reason why is because I noticed that that was something that was invaluable for me. Uh, even at the very, very beginning, my sister, who is a pediatrician, um, I think she was in her fellowship. No, she was in her residency when she found out that I got accepted into vet school. And as soon as she found out, she told me, well, send me your school supply list. And I did. And before I knew it, she sent me all of her hand-me-downs and all everything from my school supply list. I want to say like 80% I had uh, to the point where, and the rest I got from, you know, uh, I didn't have to spend a lot of money on. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the, my schooling, even my professors uh, when I was in clinics uh, would comment about, oh, wow, I can't believe you have that. Like, I was always, I was always well prepared when it came to just having the tools, right, mm-hmm. uh, in order to prepare for classes. And I, it wasn't until after, afterwards, after I graduated, that my sister told me, well, the reason why I did is because when I went to medical school, and I'm talking about her, she was the first uh, doctor in our family. Um, she said, when I went to medical school, I didn't have a lot of that stuff. And so I was always self-conscious. I always felt like I was behind. I always felt like um, I was unprepared, and I didn't want you to feel that way. And so mm-hmm. with just that one transaction, that was, that cycle was broken. It was from one doctor to another. And even when it came to mentorship, um, some of veterinarians, older veterinarians, and how they have uh, encouraged me, how they have um, guided me uh, through my career, you know, I'm, 
And I really, really needed it in like my first three years out of vet school. And now I kind of have a groove going, (laughs) Uh, but it helped. And it was once again, from one doctor to another. And so that's what the purpose of the doctor to doctor initiative is. Um, We're still very new. Uh, We've been trying to find, um, fine tune our voice. Uh, but uh, we are there. We are, we've been getting donations, and I'm very, very thankful about it. And this year we'll be um, awarding our first scholarships. Um, so yeah, we're gonna. So stay tuned um, because that's coming very awesome. soon. Awesome, that's great. Awesome, that's great. So before we do in everything, like I said, I think what you're doing is amazing as a woman of color. Anytime that we're breaking barriers and fields that we are, we are not normally seen, of course, that is an excellent thing just to represent and to just show people everything that we can do and everything that we're capable of. So, of course, this is Women's History Month. Yesterday was International Women's Day. So I do want to ask you, you wear many hats. You're a trailblazer. You are creating history. So I do talk about self-love a lot on the platform. So I just wanted to ask you mm-hmm. how find self-love in your life because to me, self-love equals self-confidence and that is the field to be a trailblazer such as yourself. Like you said, you're in a profession. So how has self-love applied in your life? I have to constantly work on that, to be honest with you. I am extremely critical of myself and uh I even had to really uh work on celebrating the now and not uh be stressed about what's later what's planned and things like that um so it's a I would say that it's an ongoing process uh I have tried to do stuff self-love by learning how to give myself grace um if I am truly burnt out and I don't want to look at the computer, I don't want to do any work. <laughs> just being like, it's okay. You can be a couch potato today and just be a little lazy because obviously your mind needs a break. Um, or like it took me, it, I, it was so bad uh, that it got to the point where when I don't really go shopping a lot, I mainly spend my money on food um, and takeout. And that's been the case for years now. But I remember one time I went to the mall and it took me forever to just talk myself into buying a purse. I had the money to get the purse, but I was Mm -hmm. just like, but shouldn't I be thinking about other things instead of the purse? Because in the grand scheme of things, this purse is not um, in line with what my goals and aspirations are. And to even go and be able to like, buy a purse and just be like you're treating yourself you think this is cute you're getting this purse that has been a form of self-love because it's once again giving myself grace to just be present in the now and not constantly be like you know the uh the ant you know it's like the ant in a grass pot grasshopper you know not every day has to be waiting for the apocalypse (laughs) you know or something else like that um, taking the time to go and get a facial, um, going to get a massage here and there, uh, and and just relaxing, um, reading books again for fun. Those have all been times of uh, doing self-love and also committing to 
when I started doing therapy, um, going and seeing a therapist, that was probably the ultimate act of self-love because I knew that I needed to do something um, outside of what I had been doing in order to be more proactive about improving my mental health. And when you finally take that step to do it and then also implement the stuff in your, in your life, then that's, that is self-love because you are taking care of yourself first. So I, I recommend that to everybody. Uh, it definitely um, has helped me quite a bit to once again, live in the now, um, celebrate the now, uh, celebrate the wins and stop comparing uh, whatever your grandmaster plan is. Stop thinking of it, stop thinking of it as 20% done or 30% done. Stop thinking of it as like the 70 that you still feel like you have to do. The, mm-hmm. the 20s are a win. The 30s are a win. The 35, 31% is a win too. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. That really, you put that in great perspective. And thank you for just being transparent too. You know, like we're not obligated to get everything right. You know, mm-hmm. perfectly. Everything is a process and we're all growing and learning every single day. So I definitely appreciate your transparency more than anything. I've definitely enjoyed this conversation. Like I said, especially right now, during Women's History Month, you are a part of her story doing something different. And when I got your information, I was like, wow, I cannot wait to speak with her because I haven't heard <laughs> any Black veterinarians. Yesterday, I met a Black audiologist that's done some great things. So I'm happy to see all these sisters and scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we out here. We out yes. here. Yes. <laughs> So before we end everything, tell everyone how they can tune in to Roma to the Rescue and how they can contact you and how they can also contribute to the Doctor to Doctor initiative. Okay, so um, you can watch Roma to the Rescue on Disney XD every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, You can also stream it on Disney Now. YouTube TV, as well as Hulu, you can binge watch seven episodes right now. I promise you are going to laugh. You're going to get teary-eyed at the end. You are going to just smile. It's so heartwarming. It's It pulls on your strings every single episode. Um, these are real dogs finding and being, uh, uh, finding their forever homes and with the with real kids and real families. Uh, you can also follow me on um Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. Aziza Glass, A-Z-I-Z-A-G-L-A-S-S. Just type it in. You'll find me on all those platforms. And for the Doctor to Doctor initiative, uh, there is a link on my website, azizaglass.com, where you can find out about um, donations. And we are updating our website, which, which is Dr. dr 2 dri.org. We're updating that website. And so after that, you'll find out a whole bunch more information as well. Awesome. Thank you so much again for this conversation. And I'll definitely make sure to tell more people about Roman to the Rescue. I just think it's so cute. (laughs) Yes, yes. And and it's it's a show that's for uh, the that's for kids learning about animals from the perspective of a kid who loves animals. <laughs> yeah. 
podcast and what he's doing is a great thing. And I also appreciate how you mentioned, once again, I like to talk about mental health as well, how pets, you know, if you really truly have a love for a pet, how it really can ease anxiety, just bring some extra love into a person's life. We all need love. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. Pets are really one of the most sincerest forms of love, you know, on this earth, I think, next to a baby. So, yeah, so That's true. That down on how it really can ease our anxieties and bring love into our lives and, you know, add, add some happiness. That's something people should consider if they want to take it seriously because it is a responsibility. But if you do have the time, the love, hey, consider adopting a pet. I know a lot of people personally who had no inclination to get a pet prior, but for different reasons in their lives, they ended up adopting a pet and they completely changed. So thank you so much for you, what you're doing. And like I said, representing Brown and Scrubs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank that. you for having me. Thank you so much for having me and uh, for supporting the show. Thank you. And guys, you heard it. This is Dr. Aziza Glass. She is a great woman. And make sure you guys tune in to Roman to the Rescue. The little boy is so cute. So make sure you guys tune in. And even if you have never owned an animal, you will still love the show. It's very heartwarming, like she said. And at the end of the day, it's representing love, which is what everyone needs right now. So everyone, make sure you can catch this episode and more www.thekeychat.com and also like I said consider owning a pet you never know like we all need something that makes us feel better and pets really are just innocent great reflections of love they really can bring a lot of joy in people's lives so Mm -hmm. just consider that and a lot of pets really there's an influx of animals that need to be adopted they really need a good home and someone that will love and care for them so you never know that maybe your next connection is to be a pet owner and find true love as a pet mom or dad. So definitely Mm -hmm. can see that. And once again, you can catch this episode and more, www.thekeychat.com. Be safe. And of course, remember to go love yourself. Tell him, Mr. Did this be?